This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, June 13th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. Speech emanating from corporations on political issues of the day may be less controversial than it was a decade ago, thanks in part to a strong defense of speech rights and courts. Yet there's a growing movement on the right to use government to punish corporations for daring to have opinions on legislative matters. Paul Matsko is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We talked about the right's departure from defending robust speech last week. We've seen quite a shift on the right on a number of issues. Uh, one of those is so-called big tech. Um, you know, in, if we go back a few more years, trade. Uh, has been a, a pretty substantial shift on the right. Uh, you write uh, for the dispatch about the shift on speech, uh, on the ability of companies to have <laughs> partisan commitments or ideological commitments that uh, the right doesn't care for. Yeah. I mean, we, in 2010... You could argue that the the conservative movement reached a, a high watermark when it came to corporate property rights, something that we hadn't seen for a century since the early 20th century. The idea that corporations uh, are allowed to spend their money on political advertising uh, in support of campaigns, especially independent um, political advertising. And uh, in the Citizens United versus FEC case, where a uh, uh, or an organization that basically funnels money from corporations uh, challenged an FEC campaign uh, finance requirement that said that corporations couldn't do that. When all the Supreme Court, Supreme Court said, no, corporations have these kinds of First Amendment rights enjoyed by um, by ordinary people. And uh, you know, at the time, uh, conservatives exulted in this victory. It was it was seen as a, a very remarkable. Uh, proof of concept that conservatism could win, could win in the court system. Um, it was seen as uh, um, a consequence of the conservative support for free markets and for business rights and so on, and condemned by progressives and by the left. And yet here we are just over a decade later with conservatives uh, essentially giving all that up, <laughs> pushing back now. It's now the conservative position to push back against woke corporations, so-called, um, to seek to diminish corporate free speech rights, to punish corporations for expressing their point of view on political issues and uh, on on cultural um, culture war topics. And uh, that's become the norm. And what's striking is that after, is that the, the ride up the ride up to Citizens United v. FEC um, took generations of effort, half a century of effort at least. Uh, the careful work of institutions like the Federalist Society and and a bunch of legal institutions and think tanks and and uh, 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 you know movement act, act activism, and yet the fall down on the other end after reaching that plateau has been short, quick, and done with almost no introspection. I have long said that the biggest problem with Citizens United was that was a case that was not about a Michael Moore film. And uh, maybe some on the left, in fact, I think the American prospect to its credit said basically, yeah, this was uh, rightly decided. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I believe that their position was like, look, if you accept this, you must accept this. So who's been leading the effort here? I'm thinking of Ron DeSantis, 
yeah greg abbott i guess yeah what, i would say i mean what have they what have they specifically said and done that that makes you believe that uh and oh, well, of course and of course members of the u.s senate who want to crack down on big tech more broadly and appear to be using this as a uh, a reason well yeah it was one thing when it was uh, a handful of kind of you know, up and comers who weren't exactly at the core of of right wing opinion. So people like Josh Hawley several years ago started calling for uh, restrictions on on big tech companies use of their own property, their ability to moderate content on platforms that they own and run, which um, was a real challenge. This idea uh, once standard in conservative thinking that business businesses, property rights should be relatively inviolate. They should have uh, substantial property and speech rights. But that was kind of at the margins of the Senate. You know, people like Josh Hawley, incoming freshman senators, a little bit more populist than the standard fusionist conservative approach to these issues. Uh, but now with someone like Ron DeSantis, he is the current best guess um, as to who will follow Donald Trump whether if he decides not to run in 2024 for the Republican nomination or in 2028 uh, uh, in, in the future. Like we're talking about the stand, f- potential future standard bearer of the Republican Party uh, is on board with this anti-woke, anti-corporate woke campaign. Of course, with DeSantis, it's an issue involving Disney, uh, the, 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 the multimedia company, the theme park operator in his home state of Florida. Uh, Disney had responded to pressure from more left-wing advocacy groups with a a pretty tepid statement in support or in opposition of Florida's uh, so-called don't say gay bill involving uh, the right of teachers to talk about sexuality and gender in the classrooms in, in public schools in Florida. And Disney had initially not put out a statement. They eventually did. They put out a statement of support. Um, too late for a lot of left-wing activists, but you know they're they doing the typical corporate finger in the air kind of thing. And uh, DeSantis saw this as an opportunity to score political points, and so he revoked um, the special improvement district status for what's called the Reedy Creek Improvement District. It's this. It's essentially Disney's company town around the theme park in Orlando, uh, where they agreed to provide municipal services. So Disney pays for the roads and the streets and the sewer. Um, it does it itself. And once upon a time, it's it's been doing that since the 60s. And once upon a time, this was seen as a great example of like decentralization, of privatization. Um, Disney was doing a better job of providing mun- municipal services than a municipal government typically does. And conservatives loved that. Um, and so what's striking is that DeSantis it revoked that special improvement district, um, uh, creating all kinds of tax liabilities for local taxpayers. That's that's still being sorted out um, as explicit punishment for Disney criticizing um, uh, the, his law, uh, the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida. And as you note, not a hint of self-reflection about what uh, would have otherwise been essentially an article of faith on the right, which was, yes, uh, corporations have this these, these rights because people have these rights. Yeah, well, and, and what's striking is you don't have to go back 
to 2010 to get conservatives thinking this way and talking this way, it's the the Chick-fil-A controversy. So over the past decade, you know, Chick-fil-A under the leadership of S. Kathy and his family uh, got in trouble with uh, the left, broadly speaking, over its opposition to expanded LGBTQT rights. When, and to be clear, it wasn't I don't, I don't think it was corporate donations. It was right. the family that owned the company. Exactly. It's the Kathy family, not the corporation. Yet the corporation still got in trouble uh, with, with the left. And um, and there were all these proposals to punish Chick-fil-A, to punish a Fortune 500 company using various measures, regulatory, weaponized regulations. Uh, so the San Antonio government denied Chick-fil-A an airport concession. Uh, New York State was going to deny them uh, vending licenses at uh, uh, rest areas on the highways, uh, operating permits in Chicago. And you just go down the list and there were progressives using the power of government to punish a company for its conservative speech. And conservatives were outraged, right? This is clearly a violation of their free speech rights, of their uh, just in general, uh, it's it's anti-democratic and, and anti-constitutional. And yet here we are a few years later with the, the, the sides reversed and conservatives are just fine, which, which tells you that this is all very unprincipled. It's just pragmatic partisan politics that only looks towards how can I win now? No real sense of the consequences for the future or what is being sacrificed from the, from the past. One of my uh, concerns for a while, and I think I've said it here before, is that uh, left and right, the populists of left and right, will find some particular uh, rights-killing policy that they all agree on. And uh, they can get that median voter support, and they can feel comfortable passing it, and then it will just be up to courts to uh, sort it out. So th that is a concern of mine, because there's no lack of people on the left who, who feel that... Uh, Places like, oh, Facebook or uh, other large companies, speech platforms should not be allowed to express themselves freely in politics. Um, and so th the concern is that they'll find a policy that they agree on and uh, we'll just have to hope that courts can hold it off. Well, and it's it's not only I mean, it's so it's a violation of of a previously principled conservative stance on, on First Amendment rights and so on and corporate rights. Um, but it's also just bizarre as a matter of pragmatic politics. I mean, so if, if you truly believe that there's this woke culture comp coming along and that big corporations are trying to squelch conservative points of view, um, you, you should be a little bit leery of the idea that, you know, yes, right now, Ron DeSantis has the power to do this in Florida, but the shoe is, as long as we live in a functioning democracy, the shoe will eventually be on the other foot. And if that same power is being used to punish conservative points of view uh, uh, or to, to, to promote conservative points of view, it's just a matter of time before it's used to punish them as well. And if you get into the situation of a tit for tat, whoever's in power leverages their various regulatory powers over you know, occupational licensing, business permitting, taxing, and, and so on to target unfavored businesses, we can get in a real messy situation real quick. And it is not at all obvious that conservatives, even in a pragmatic sense, will end up on top in such a war. This concern that, uh, that you've expressed, and I think a lot of libertarians have expressed uh, about the right, 
doesn't has no lack of mirrors on the left. That is, uh, people like uh, Nadine Strossen, uh, former head of the American Civil Liberties Union, just absolutely uh, concerned about that organization's future. Uh, and there are a lot of people on the left whose views on rights generally are matters of convenience. Yeah, we we there's we see um, just a general. Um, decreased commitment to enlightenment liberalism writ large on both left and right. Um, you know, there's, there's, it's in the news right now, but the, uh, the Amber Heard editorial against Johnny Depp that's now been adjudicated in court. Well, it was written by the ACLU, ghostwritten by the ACLU, uh, which put out a statement recently saying, Hey, look, we didn't do anything wrong here. This isn't unusual at all, but people have noted what does this have? What did this have to do with free speech? It might be a salutary cause, just in service of, and you know, as the courts have found, someone who was alleging falsely alleging domestic abuse. But uh, what does that cause have to do with free speech? I mean, so if even America's premier left wing free speech civil libertarians um, are not are are not all that don't appear all that interested in actually defending free speech issues, that tells you something about the state of support for classical liberalism in the country writ large. Um, and that's that's really problematic. I mean, both sides have so much to lose, both left and right, both conservatives and progressives and uh, radicals of, of various varieties, uh, because when we when we give up that core commitment to pluralism rooted in a belief in in um, robust protections for free speech and freedom of conscience, uh, the people we, we all lose, right? Even if you get a temporary winner in terms of elections and you you have, you know, whoever won the latest skirmish in the culture wars, uh, the, the state of American democracy loses, our discourse suffers, people, there's a chilling effect on speech, people who have opinions outside the very center of the mainstream no longer feel free to speak. It's, uh, we all suffer as a result, uh, which is something that I mentioned in my dispatch article, uh, a quote from Sir Thomas More, who's kind of the patron saint of uh, freedom of conscience from the 17th century in England, who said famously, um, I would give the devil himself benefit of the law for my own safety's sake. In other words, if um, I were to, he's called on to uh, imprison someone who's going to accuse him of, 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 of abuse. And he doesn't because he says, look, if I abuse the systems of the law, to suppress someone else, if I ignore uh, the, the 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 principle of free speech and a freedom of conscience for others, I undermine it for myself, and so it's a really dangerous situation we're we're heading into over the over the near future, where both left and right seem unmoored from uh, Enlightenment liberalism. How real is this? I mean, because I can I can sense that uh, at least with Ron DeSantis, he has a talent for making an issue, a national issue, pretty quickly uh, in the same way that uh, Donald Trump uh, has been able to do that. Um, and yet I don't feel like, I feel like there's a massive amount of, uh, a num massive number of Americans who just don't care and view this as, oh, well, they're just playing games again. Yeah. Well, and th there is uh 
we can call it the disintellectualization of American politics in general. And I think of, of conservative politics specifically, where politics is reduced from a struggle to advance a kind of core ideology and turns instead into just a tribal red versus blue game. And on the one hand, that turns you know some operators into bad faith bad faith political operatives into grifters who just see advantage in waging the culture war. But I think also, I think you're touching on something important, which is that it also alienates uh, ordinary voters, ordinary people who are like, who, who see the lies and the grifting and the bad faith efforts from both sides often and just say, nope, don't want anything to do with that. It creates a kind of apathy and alienation that is also corrosive to a functioning American democracy. Paul Masco is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.